Pick Up The Pace is a rugby union podcast hosted by All Black super fan and Anadu Ryle. Two passionate rugby fanatics from Wainui Mata, New Zealand who go deep into everything rugby without taking themselves too seriously. Hey, what's up, folks? You're back here with Pick Up The Pace podcast, episode eight with your man, All Black super fan and my man. Anadu Ryle, good to be back for yet another year of rugby 2020. We're yeah. underway, super rugby has started. How was your break, brother, man, after the World Cup? Oh, the World Cup, well, we all know what went down there, don't we? But the break, yeah, it was awesome. Finished up work for about a month and headed back to Timaru to see the whanau. That was good, nice and relaxing, catch up with everyone. Um, and then I headed up to the far north, flew up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hung around Kaitaia, uh, Ahipara, and then, um, yeah, no, it was good fun. Heaps of beaches, Matai Beach, man, you got to go there. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Well, I did nothing. I just stayed here in uh, beautiful Wellington, sunny Wellington. Probably the worst summer Hang on, hang on, back it up. Wait, 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 you did nothing. Did nothing. What does that mean? I uh, just did nothing. Had to work all the way through. So, yeah, just got stuck here. But um, managed to get away to Tauranga for a few days. That was quite nice. Um, but other than that, just been preparing uh, for yet another series. Of Pick up the pace. Pick up the pace. 2020. It's going to be a busy year. We've got a lot of things going on. Currently, we're in the state of construction. So we've got a bit of a studio getting built. Uh, we've got some exciting things coming from that. Um, we're going to have some cameras going shortly. Um, and hopefully, we, as we mentioned before, but we didn't quite get there, we're going to have some uh, really cool, exciting guests coming on as well. We're going to hopefully get out of this pokey little uh, spare bedroom, uh, which we've been recording from for the last few I months. I don't know whether I ate a lot of food over Christmas and I've got bigger and this room's got smaller, <laughs> or you've got more gear in it. I can't work it out. Yeah, there's been a little bit of hoarding over the summer. But hey, look, we're back on the air and uh, it's good to be back and we thought we'd kick off by talking a bit about Super Rugby, of course. So we're four weeks in uh, and bro, what, what are your fondest memories of Super Rugby? Fondest you know, memories of sort of, of first started? I suppose we're into the anniversary of 25 years this year, 2020. So going back to 1996, the things I remember about the early days of Super Rugby is the, the Jonah Lomus and the Frank Bunks and the, the Walter Littles and, you know, the old school names, the Mark oh, Cooksley. Yeah. Oh, Mark oh, Cooksley, yeah. taller, one of the tallest tall blacks of all time, yeah. You know, and just, uh, um, you know, the Christian Cullen, Spy Cockadiki Express and just all that, all those sort of juggernauts, eh, the um, big baggy jerseys they used to wear, um, the muddy fields, the, the daytime rugby, um, yeah, they were all my sort of fondest memories, eh? And the old school games in Lancaster Park, because I'm from Timaru, actually, so we'd travel up there yep. and watch some of the uh, Crusaders play in Lancaster Park, which is obviously no longer sad, you know, because of the earthquakes and stuff like that. So yeah. what about you? What are some of your I, fondest I, memories? Well, one of my, well, some of my fondest memories. We talked about the big-time big, big time players. You talked about them, sorry. Um, but for me, the cult players, the, the, the provincial heroes the franchise heroes for mm. some of these New Zealand Super Rugby sides, the Port Titos, oh, the Dion Wallers, you know, oh. <coughs> rough Old as school. guts, you know, getting right in there. Norm Berryman, Norm Berryman, Norm Berryman, Norm Berryman. rest in peace, Norman. He was right. a man. Uh, Northland player, Canterbury Crusaders as well. Yes, exactly. Another mm. Northland man, David Howell, the uh, oh, Hurricanes' wow. first five. Uh, he was another legend. Look, I've I've got fond memories going to the Westpac Stadium when it first opened in the year 2000, where Jonah, Tana Umanga and uh, Christian Cullen were in the back three for the Hurricanes. Beautiful. Can't believe they didn't win a uh, Super Rugby title. They were just warming up. They were just warming up for bigger things later on, that's all. Their discipline let them down. The forward pack wasn't as good as what it was now. Uh, but, well, those, I mean, that, that first year of Super Rugby in the year 2000 with a new stadium here in Wellington, every game was sold out. Not a single yellow seat was, uh, well, was seen. 
at those games. It was yeah. sold out all the time. How times have changed. Yeah, for sure. How times sure. have changed. So in the last few years, we've seen a whole bunch of issues. We have. Super Rugby, haven't we? Yeah, we've seen, uh, oh, I suppose you just, you've just spoke about it. The attendance has been low, and we've seen that gradually throughout the years, whether that's a, uh, and we'll get into that, uh, the format's too complicated, the game's too hard to understand, um, viewership's dropping, um, you know, if, if the viewership's dropping, then the attendance is dropping, um, you know, sometimes it's just boring. That's you know? right. Yeah. It doesn't have the hype of, uh, well, not all the games, but it doesn't seem to have the hype of uh, your standard NRL game mm. or your AFLs and mostly the Aussie type of sports eh, around. Yep. And we don't mean to be ne- negative at all. Uh, it's just reality, But really. it is important to just look back at why it was working so well in the early years and how it's changed so much in the last few years to become what it is right now. And like you say, uh, the comp complicated uh, structure, the uh, complicated format of Super Rugby has, yeah, had a huge toll on, on, on the on the product. You yeah, know? but has, has it really evolved? Has the game evolved? Has it grown? Um, the players have certainly grown. The teams have got faster. The teams are bigger. But has the actual game itself evolved? Uh, I'm not too sure that it has. You know, you've got other issues there. You've got uh, time difference. I mean, I don't, to be honest, I don't get up and watch the um, South Africa conference unless we get no. into the finals. It's That's too true. hard. We've got work in the morning. Um, it's just too hard. Um, and we've seen when, uh, let's say, a South African side is playing against a New Zealand side, doesn't matter whether the game's being played in South Africa or New Zealand, the crowds just don't turn up. Look at the Bulls versus the Blues game from Loftus First Field in Pretoria last weekend. Yeah. Fantastic game, but nobody was in the crowd. Yeah. Look at some of the games that have been played in here in New Zealand. Uh, the Sharks-Hurricanes game, which we went to last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, disappointing crowd, but another entertaining match. So well, there's a first home game for the Hurricanes, coming off a good wins against the uh, Hakawatis over in Guinazetis, and um, the stadium looked about, I don't know, a third full for their yeah, first home it's game. It's really so. disappointing. But anyway, in this episode, we are going to solve the whole world. We are going to touch on seven steps to fix Super Rugby. We are. And so um, this is what we think. This is our opinion, you know, All Black Superfan and Ardu Royal. So the first one, um, stadium atmosphere. How can we improve the whole stadium atmosphere, including things like cheaper tickets or do we need better packages or do we need to have team games where... Uh, we, we, we know there are packages, take a kid to footy, uh, but can we improve on that? How about this? Why don't we actually have a women's super rugby competition where they can play the curtain raiser? So uh, we're actually bringing more people in earlier, and I'm sure there'll be a crowd. Women's rugby has developed a lot it's in a great the last idea. Few, few years. We should do something like that. But we si- need more entertainment. Similar to what the Sevens have done recently. Yes. So they've brought, and that, that's awesome. We've got um, strong female teams who are mm. excellent and now they're playing uh, or integrated into the men's competition, which if you ask me personally, I'm excited about that. Yeah. I get yeah. to watch twice as much footy, but very good footy. Why has it not happened yet? That's a question that needs to be asked. Um, so that that's one. Number two, we need entertainment. Yeah. Uh, when you think back to some of the good old days, we had all sorts of uh, halftime entertainment, pre-match entertainment, all sorts of different entertainment. Let's bring the crowds back in. Where are the mascots? Yeah. No, we have good old Captain Hurricane. He's probably the last but one. But we need a bit more than just Captain Hurricane and the flames going up every 10 seconds. So what we need is, um, I can remember, you know, as again, back down in Timaru, um, and they don't have them now, unfortunately, through many different reasons. But we used to have the Crusaders, um, or we still have the Crusaders, but we used to have the horses. 
and the swords. And I know families used to go there with their kids just to watch the horses go around. It was a big entertainment value. Um, we don't seem we see, we don't seem to be having that. You know, we, we rocked up to hurricanes. There wasn't too much going on in the concourse. We got our tickets. We went through. There's your five dollar chips, your six dollar hot dogs, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there wasn't too much happening from a bit of music. But what about some bands on field or some um, some dancers or some theatrics happening? Eh? I tell you, um, one place that used to always have great entertainment uh, during a rugby game was in Carisbrook. Yeah, with the yeah, students, yeah. you know, and I, I take my yeah, yeah I, I take it all the way back. I think to, was it the nineteen ninety nine Super Rugby final, Highlanders and the Crusaders it was played in Dunedin. Wow! And the crowd just went absolutely nuts, and it was party at Tony Brown's house that that day. <laughs> and Otago Highlanders had their chance as well, like all these chants come into play too. They're all dated now. Otago Highlanders, the old school embankment, you know that everyone used to have. Welcome to the house of. Pain. Oh, it's, got, it's like you hopped in a DeLorean. Back, <laughs> I mean, the Hurricanes chant is a shocker. Yeah. But this is serious, though. This is stadium atmosphere. Yeah. You know, like America do it well, don't they? Yeah, yeah. NFL, yeah, yeah. Um, NHL, uh, Major League Baseball. It's just a lot of theatrical. A lot of, it's a, like a package for families and kids, you know, not just grown-ups. It's the whole thing where you can just go, hey, listen, people are talking about the, they're talking about the game. But they're talking about, hey, did you see the band? Did you see all the dancers? Did you see the the cartoon characters dressed up as you before you approach the stadium? You know, I don't know. Just you know what? You know, one thing that works really well in the NRL are the different. Uh, they have dedicated rounds with a theme. Yeah. So they have uh, women in league round, the heritage you know, round, the heritage round. Yeah. They have um, all these all these different rounds, the in, indigenous round. You know, like yeah, yeah. That's there right. are all these great uh, themed rounds yeah. where people get right behind. Um, the cause, yeah, and that brings in the crowds as well. Anzac Day, like in the NRL, they mm. do a big thing for Anzac Day. Uh, but maybe Super Rugby needs to start being a little bit more creative. You know, what are some creative ways in terms of marketing to bring more people in? Well, something needs to happen, eh? That's you right. Know, you walk in, like I said, this is we're not being negative. This is not a disrespectful thing. This is just observations that we've experienced. Um, food and drink prices it's horrendous. You know, so eight nine dollars what minimum for a beer, even ten bucks for a beer. Oh. Uh, just your standard hot dogs and chips. I know stadiums have other things, but maybe we can get some type of international food caravans going on. So if a South Africa team's playing, maybe we have something to do with uh, a theme around that. I don't know. That's right. I mean, we're thinking big here. Yeah. Only different. because we're we're super fans. We're, we're big rugby fans and we want to see the best. Yeah, And when absolutely. we see a problem, when people don't turn up to rugby games... Talk to the fans. Well, here's a good one, right? So the Sunwolves play the Chiefs. No? Sunwolves play... Who they just play in the weekend? Sunwolves played... The Reds. Uh, the Reds. Yeah. Up there. No, no. Or the one before, up in uh, Tokyo. Um, Sunwolves versus the Chiefs. Sorry, it was against yes, the Chiefs. Yes, yep. yes, yes. Sellout. 20,000. Now, people will say, oh, yeah, but they've got a population of 130-odd million or whatever. But uh, they didn't start having the big crowds, you know, until a few years back. But they've got bums on seats. They're winning. They beat some Tier 1 nations last year. Uh, who was it? Ireland and Scotland. Um, they've got really good attendance records in Japan now. Now, in Japan and New Zealand, it's the same game, right? Mm. It's rugby. So what's working up there and what's not working here? That's right. And actually, <laughs> some things we can't fix. One thing we probably can't fix is the enthusiasm of a New Zealand rugby crowd. Well, just, I mean, we're pretty subdued, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're terrible. We are. We don't. We're sort of. Uh, you can't force anything but, on. But we're more. 
we're more analytical. Or we like to analyze the. Was it a knock on? How did he knock that on? Rather than just you know sitting there sort of going, "What you lost to Paul Ford?" Or yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, we sort of thinkers of the game, aren't we? We are more than jumping up are. and down. But we can be a little bit too serious sometimes. But again, we can't force it on on the fans here in New Zealand. We tried to do that for the Lions series a couple of years ago when they tried to introduce Tu Tira Mai yeah. as, the, as the sort of major just, song in the stadium. Well, it didn't, was all right, but it just, just didn't seem natural, did it? No, no. So, so things have to happen naturally. But look, these are some ideas. Number one, stadium atmosphere. Number two, international player eligibility when it comes to Super Rugby. Yeah, Tell us yeah. a bit about this. Well, you know, we've had the likes of um, the Daniel Braids um, in the Reds, Queensland Reds, and... Angus Tavell, Tarmany Allison. Uh, I even think, even think back in the day, Carlos, Rebels, Carlos yep. Spencer played for the Lions. Played for the Lions came back, back in the and day. Coached. Yep. But so what the rules are at the moment is that if you're a uh, Kiwi playing for another Super Rugby franchise, then you're not eligible to play for the All Blacks. So maybe with a bit of flexibility, they just need to loosen those guidelines or those rules around that. What are your thoughts? Well, I've got a yeah, great example. Like when you've got uh, two quality halfbacks like Tetoiroa. Tahuri Orangi and uh, Brad Weber yep. playing for one team for the Chiefs and every other New Zealand Super Rugby side has quality halfbacks. One of those two halfbacks may want to actually play for another Super Rugby side whether it be in Australia or South Africa to get a bit of game time and to get noticed but they won't because they won't be eligible to be picked for the All Black. I mean it's, it's, it's great for New Zealand Rugby when this happens because it shows that uh, the depth within New Zealand Rugby is still strong but at the same time it's restrictive. Uh, for some of our, our quality players who actually just want some extra game time. Well, we've seen that with uh, Mitchell Hunt, who uh, come off the bench quite regularly for the Crusaders, making a lot of starts now for the Highlanders and actually making a good impact down there in Otago. Mm, yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. You know, so Cheer the love. That's right. So I think we need to seriously look at the international player eligibility rules. That also applies to the Pacific Island players um, because at the moment, Super Rugby sides are only entitled to pick three overseas players. So if you have Pacific, uh, what is Island, it? So they go through three. So three overseas players. Yeah. Every Super Rugby side can can pick up to three overseas players. Yeah, right. And so they have to be really careful whether you play for uh, uh, Samoa, Fiji, or Tonga. Yep. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, you'll still be considered an overseas player. Uh, so you have to really seriously consider as a Pacific Island player. Uh, whether you are going to commit yourself to playing for your home island nation or whether you're going to just keep going at it, especially if you live in New Zealand, and try and be an All Black. And when you think of the likes of Ben Lamb, mm. who's now just announced that he's going to go overseas and play, yeah. uh, then that makes things really difficult for those types of players. Yeah. So that has to be seriously well, you imagine, at. you imagine... Okay, let's just go back to that because the Pacific Island... Uh, nations, that's a topic on its own, isn't it? We could do a whole podcast on that. You talked about Ben Lamb um, going over there. You, uh, we've got um, Charles Piatel. Uh, we've got Lima Sapuanga. So you imagine of all these players who are eligible, and I'm yeah. sure there's a, there's, a, there's a ton more, yeah. eligible yeah, to, yeah. to play yeah. for their home nations. That's right. The that's Pacific right. Island teams w- would be, I, I consider, a lot better than what they currently are now. That's exactly right. So international player eligibility rules need to be reviewed. Uh, number three, uh, we need to review the number of teams. So uh, we need to make sure that uh, we look at whether we um, add or remove teams moving forward from Super Rugby. Well, we've seen, we've seen. Um, don't quote me on the year, maybe 2016, the, the Kings in South Africa 
got introduced um, and then removed a couple of years later. The Cheetahs gone, uh, the Western Force gone, and we know that next year the Sunwolves are gone, haven't they? Review the number of teams. Um, well, we've, we've started to decrease because I think the max number we've ever had is 18. Um, look, I think we seriously need to consider uh, adding a Pacific Island team. Absolutely. Why, why can't we get the Samoas, the Fijis, the New Ways, the Cook Islands and get everyone involved and make up a great team? And, and you know, where, where would they be based? Look, it makes sense. Um, we've got five New Zealand teams. If you're taking the Sunwolves out of the Australian division, do we put them with the Aussies? Or do we make New Zealand six? Um, it's hard to say. They've got to have infrastructure, stadiums, funding. They're probably not going to receive that from the islands unless we invest or the NZRU invests in those islands and um, getting those stadiums and training facilities up to standard. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that we always have to consider is player welfare. And when we add an extra country into the mix, it just means more travelling. So um, the likes of the USA, uh, a Japanese side, obviously the Sunwolves are leaving next year. Uh, so what do we do there? Uh, will the Sunwolves, will there be another Japanese side that comes back? Or do we bring nowhere? in two competitions? Like we've got the Super Rugby competition. Do we talk about relegation? It may not be a second tier Super Rugby, but maybe it's a, a type of competition. I don't know. Um, where, for example, um, the Waratahs, the woeful Waratahs, relegate them down, right, into the, I see. down into the other competition, whatever that may be. The, uh, you call it the feeder grade uh, or like a reserve grade or whatever and bring the top team from that one up. Now that's going to make those teams in that second, I don't like to say second tier division, but that reserve um, um, co uh, competition, it's going to get them to strive to make it to the top tier, isn't it? So you could potentially do like an eight team competition or even be the, premiers, uh, the premier competition and yep. then the next like B competition yeah. with another eight sides. Um, you spread the teams across all the different countries and then they just have to fight for promotion relegation. Yeah, well, you've got the Japan, um, you've got the Fijis, you've got the Samoas, Tongas, um, we've even got South American teams in there, um, the Brazils, um, we've even got uh, Canada, um, the, the, the Americas, you know, so there's room there to have, why don't we amalgamate and have it as one? Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm just. I think, I don't know, like, either way, it has to be kept simple. And I think this is a great segue into uh, the, the fourth step to fix Super Rugby, and that's simplifying the competition format. Simplifying the competition, the one of the most complex competition rugby tournaments out there. Let's So run through why you think it's a little bit complicated right now. All right, I think, um, look, I, I can probably do this in about 10 minutes, um, but let me try and do it in 10 seconds. Okay, right. are you ready? Let's go. <clears throat> okay, hold on. <coughs> Wait, let me count you down. All right. Five. Four, three, two, one. Okay, current uh, competition format. Every team plays each team in their conference, home and away, and then play eight games versus teams outside of their conference. This means they don't play against two different sides every year. So if you're the Melbourne Rebels, you could miss out uh, playing against the Stormers and Crusaders and get the luck of the draw. The top side of each conference progressed directly to the playoffs. This means the second or third place New Zealand conference team, <laughs> hypothetically, could earn more competition <laughs> points than the top Australian conference team, but will be ranked lower on the table. The next top five top sides below them, irrespective of their conference, progress to the playoffs to form the top eight. Carry and there on. we go. Is that it? That is it. You finished? That's the current format. That's easy. Everyone will get that. That is shit. And this is why this is part of the problem. It's complicated. 
uh, fans hate it. But if, you, but if you're a new player, you know nothing about rugby, and you read that, 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 that sort of attract you to the game, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, nah, nah, uh, wouldn't. Imagine coming into the final round of Super Rugby, and a new person, let's just say from the States, has come over to New Zealand, he's staying with us, right? Well, I always come to the game like, this, these are the permutations, okay? <laughs> this is what needs to happen for our team to win. And you're saying, uh, let's say you know, the Hurricanes, right? The Hurricanes, they're coming second in the New Zealand Conference. Um, and then he's looking at the points table and he's saying, well, yeah, hang on a minute, what, why, why are the Brumbies? They're the top of the Aussie Conference and they get in, but they've got less points than, than our team, the Hurricanes. Like, how can you explain it? Yeah, that's right. You can't explain it. But you could be a third-ranked team, again, on the New Zealand Conference, right? Yeah. And potentially, potentially not even make it through um, because of the, the current point system as it stands into the playoffs. It just happens every year. It always happens. Yeah. And there's always controversy and it always gets brought up. But here's the good news. Let me stop you there. Have you finished? Yeah. yeah, right, yeah. So here's the good news, right? 2021, new format that everyone understands. Thank God. Yep. <laughs> you know, so they're playing the round robin, Super 14. We're losing the Sunwolves, so we're down to 14 now. Everyone plays each other once. The top six playoffs, three plays six, four plays five. Winner of those plays one and two in the semis, and then the winners progress to the final. Now, same person who's come over from America... Which one do you think he's going to understand? Well, that's very simple, and I think that's why we, we talked earlier about what we loved about Super Rugby in the early days. This was one of the reasons why we loved it. They had a top four back then. It was very simple. You get into the top four, you play each other, you play every team once, you get in the top four straight into the semis. This is not quite as complicated, um, but instead of a top four, you've got a top six. You're rewarding the top two sides yep. by giving them a break. Agree. And you're letting the other four sides within that top six fight against each other. One too. of the best things I like about this is everyone plays each other once. Yeah. You know, so everyone gets an opportunity. You can't say, hey, I made it to the playoffs, but I didn't play the two best teams. I yeah. didn't play the Stormers or I didn't play the Crusaders, yeah. but I'm still in the playoffs. Yeah, that's just, so fair, it just makes it? Yeah, that, exactly. It just makes it fair. I'm a big believer of fairness. Yeah, so am I. We, <laughs> we, we, we both are. <laughs> So, right. hey, that's great news. So, 2021, we're going to lose the Sunwolves, but we're going to be um, getting a new format. we just got to get through this year first, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, it's 14 will be good. 14 teams will be good. Um, there's still going to be a, a, a travel element to deal with. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see what the draw will look like for teams. But yeah, anyway, sure. we'll move on. We could talk all day about this stupid format, but I'm glad to see that it's going to be fixed next year. Point five. Point five. Okay. Here's, a, here's, a, here's an interesting one. Free-to-air televised matches or stream online for free for free so uh why do we want a free-to-ear tv match or you know um, probably one free-to-ear hey i'd like them all to be free-to-ear we know that's not going to happen so let's say one free-to-ear match per week a new zealand team preferable um and you know around that is affordability not everyone has sky yep not everyone has internet most people do mm. But what about the people in the rural towns, the people, our grandfathers and our grandmothers and people yeah. that, people that literally can't afford Sky. It's, having Sky is a luxury yeah. and not everyone can afford that. So having that free-to-air game will, will get that um, uh, involvement and, and maybe, you know, like um, showing that the competition cares. And let's bring back daytime rugby, for God's sake. It's been too long now. Um, we've tried all this nighttime rugby stuff. We've brought the start times uh, earlier. Seven, seven, to seven o'clock now. Seven o'clock. I know. Look, if you're going to bring it, bring it forward. You might as well bring it forward to two thirty on a Saturday afternoon, and uh, chuck it on. Free I, TV. When there's when there's a um, daytime match that kicks off, right, three o'clock, whatever. 
I never hear any complaints. I only hear good things about, you know, that's the old school Kiwi way. It's what we used to do back in the day. The kids are still up. You know, you, you take a young child mm. to the rugby, mm. you, you know, time you get into your vehicle or on the train and get back home. She's 10, 11 o'clock at night. So the kids are home at dinner time. They've, they've had a good day out. The sun's out. We um, talked about stadium atmosphere and the lack of crowds. Like that will certainly surely address it, especially in a New Zealand winter um, coming out late at night to go to a game. Absolutely. Uh, with the kids, you know, it's just it's shit. Just yep. get, get back to daytime rugby. Number six, play matches in different locations. Provincial towns. Um, it used to happen back in the day. It looks like it's dropped off a bit. Um, we've talked about, you know, going back to the likes of, um, you know, well, this weekend, mm. the Hurricanes are going to Napier, and I can guarantee you that the accommodation will be sold out. The town will be vibing. Mm. We've got international players arriving into Napier. There'll be workshops at the high schools. There'll be all sorts of activities happening. Invercargill, the New Plymouths, the Rotorua's, the Whangarei's, the Nelsons, and all that type of stuff. And even taking some more games every year, whether it be one, two, or three, back to the islands. That's right, yeah. And we've, we like, we've already played games in the islands. We've had the Chiefs and Crusaders go over to Fiji. We've had uh, the Blues and the Reds go over to Samoa. Uh, and they've had sellout matches. The Sunwolves, like you said earlier, constantly getting sold out matches when they play at home. But making them affordable in the islands as well, giving them a good package and a good reason to attend the game, because it's not cheap to attend some of these games. You know, you've got to think about transport. You've got to go there with your kids. Then you've got food, and you've got the tickets. And there's all sorts of things happening, isn't there, outside of the actual just oh, there's a game on. There's a lot of things to consider. And if we can't give the Pacific Islands a team of their own the least we can do is actually have more games being played there. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, for sure. So I think that'll, that'll, that'll work. And we've got, you know, in New Zealand alone, we've got the Invercargles, the New Plymouths, the Rotoruas, the Whangareis, the Nelsons. You've got all these small towns here just chomping at the bit and waiting for their local super rugby side to play in their town. In, a real, in, in an actual competition match rather than just pre-season. Yeah, you know? absolutely. If you can't, um, you know, you can't bring the um, audience to the game, take the game to them. And by reaching these small provincial towns is the right step forward in doing that. That's right. It's a boost for the local economy. Yes, you may miss out on a bit of money, but at least you're going to get that atmosphere, that excitement, all back for Super Rugby. Well, you're going back to grassroots, right? We talk about small towns. That's grassroots. That's where it all starts, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. All right. Okay, and number seven, big thing. We've talked about it a little bit already, player welfare. Yeah, the All Blacks rest policy, you think, okay, All Blacks rest policy, well, it affects the franchises, the Super Rugby franchises. Um, and the All Blacks obviously have these um, rules, um, I don't know, I wouldn't call them regulations, but some strict rules or guide, well, not even guidelines, rules really, to say that your players, if you've got, for example, three All Blacks in your Super Rugby franchise, then they must rest this amount of weeks or they're coming back into the competition maybe in round five or six. But we believe that franchises, and there's been talk, you know, Warren Gatlin spoke about this yep. passionately. Yep. Um, why don't we let the coaches and the tactical staff and their team manage player welfare, the duty of care of the player? That's right. And you've got to look at the rugby calendar year as well. Like this year was the first time we've started Super Rugby. We've started the official rugby calendar in the middle of January. Yeah. And uh, the cricket's still on. <laughs> yeah. Well, rugby's so, a summer sport now, didn't you know? Well, <laughs> that's right. But look, listen to this, right? You've got Super Rugby starting in, in January. The reason why they've brought, brought it forward 
was so that Super Rugby could finish in time for the June international window. Okay, so the Northern Hemisphere sides come down to the Southern Hemisphere and play against our sides uh, in June. Uh, obviously, right now the Northern Hemisphere are playing Six Nations. Okay, so that's their time to play their competition. Uh, and after the June series, you then have the Rugby Championship and the Bledisloe Cup series. And after that, in New Zealand, you've got the Mitre 10 Cup. And then straight after that, you've got the end of year tour where the Southern Hemisphere sides go up to the Northern Hemisphere. So if I count this correct, we start in January. That's when the Super Rugby starts. Northern Hemisphere tour, I'm pretty sure, ends mid-November. So there's only one month in between, and that's December. So we're pretty playing. We're pretty much playing rugby for 10, ten, sorry, to eleven months a year. Yeah. Now, not some of the All Blacks are down in the Mitre Ten Cup. That's no. a bit of a rest period. Yeah. Or some of them may be called in just to keep up with the fitness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much, that's a nine, ten month season. Yeah, and it's sad. It is sad that All Blacks don't regularly play in the Mitre Ten Cup. Like it's almost turned into an amateur competition now. I mean, it's good for the development of some of the younger players. Uh, but there's just no way our top line players can play in all of those competitions year in and year out. You think of, uh, I think it was David Havili, I think he played the most games of any player uh, last year during the 2019 season. And uh, he, his, his body must be buggered. It's got to be. I mean, uh, you can't sustain <coughs> that amount of impact. Um, you've got to keep up with fitness. You've got to keep up with your diet. And then and you get some people, and I, and I don't, I, I personally don't agree with them when they go hard enough. You're a professional sports player. We pay you big money to do to play this game. So you play your 10 or 11 months, and people want to see you out there. They want to see the superstars, but at the end of the day, they're people. They've got families. They need rest. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you're going to lose all your superstars if you keep um, punishing them. Well, well, they could, without a rest. Or, or they could just go flag this. We'll just go over to France, and we'll just pay a season, True. and we'll get three times as much money. That's it. And, and that, we're out of here. And it's probably going to be easier on their bodies. That's it. So actually, when you think about it, if you dive in a little bit deeper, the players here in New Zealand in particular, they fight really bloody hard to, to earn that black jersey. You know, they want that, it. The amount of rugby they play um, to get that black jersey. There's not necessarily a lot of money going on here in New Zealand. It's about the rugby. jersey. It's about um, the tradition, um, the people that have worn the jersey before them. It's all about the Silver Fern and the All Blacks. And, you know... Um, some of them, you know, here's a good example. So I think Brad Weber, I'm not too sure how old he is now, 28, 29 maybe. He played his first game for the All Blacks mm. uh, in Samoa, um, um, with, um, against Samoa obviously in 2015, prior to the Rugby World Cup. And he didn't get picked again until last year for the Rugby World Cup. And here's a guy who fought hard through hard work, through adversity, yep. and made the All Blacks. But 90% of them don't do that. No, and there's, there's a whole bunch of players similar to Brad Webber who have gone through that. Think about Petty Weppu who missed out in 2007, came back in, into the side for the World Cup in 2011. Uh, think about Martin Onu who missed out on the side uh, in 2007 as well, I think it was. Yep. Same year, and came back in 2011, 2015. So lots of these players end up going through quite a bit of adversity before they end up um, establishing themselves, but as they've got to, but, some, they've, but they've got to make a call at some point or rather, and go, hey, listen, I'm probably um, on the fringe. I've been an All Black. Uh, I'm getting my age is getting up there. My body's getting a little bit sore, and you can't blame them. They've got to think about their family, their financial status, and just make a uh, a leap of faith. And when they do, you've got to respect it. You've got to support it. Yep. And at the end of the day, in terms of Super Rugby, 
We need our best players to be as fresh as they can be and to be looked after and let the Super Rugby coaches manage that themselves. Righto. 100% agree. To finish off, we've got a couple of uh, fun things to do here. So uh, we're going to play a little game. Uh, I'll start with you, bro. Okay, so quick Um, one. So I think we've agreed we're going to play this game that you've probably seen on the morning show called 9 and 10. Um, Andrew's going to ask me nine questions in 10 seconds. I'm going to time myself. I'm going to stop it because I'm honest on the 10 seconds. And then Anu's going to count the answers that I get. Okay, Mr. All Black Superfan, are you ready? I'm, I was born ready. Okay, here we go. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, I'm ready. All right, okay. Just just a reminder as well, this guy has won a, an actual competition of this actual game on the TV <laughs> uh, and won uh, a voucher from Freedom Furniture and he's furnished his whole lounge. Um, so just, just so you know, he's got a bit of experience here. So if he doesn't get it, I'd be very disappointed. Okay. Pressure's on. Pressure's on. Mr. All Black Superfan, you know all about the All Blacks, so try and get this one for me. Okay. Can you name nine All Black captains in 10 seconds? Go. Zinzan Brook, Mike Brewer, uh, Richie McCall, Brady Retallick, Kevin Malamu, Sean Fitzpatrick, yeah, that was actually 13 seconds, so I'm going to take one off. Take okay. one, take, whatever you count well, to take uh, one off. I had eight anyway, but uh, Brody Retallick? Did, did I just he? say? Do you know what I should have did? I should have been smarter. I should have just named every blimmin' all black that I could think of, and I reckon I would have did it. See? <laughs> I was under pressure. You got me. All right, my one. Okay. All right. This is like payback, eh? Well, I'm not going to make it too difficult. You time me yourself. Uh, let me have a little think here. Mm. All right. Does that have to be an all-black question? No, okay. Anything? Anything? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Name for me, in 10 seconds, nine foreign super rugby players. Go. Fury Dupria, uh, George Gregan, Stephen Larkham, Sterling Mortlock, uh, Andrew Walker, uh, Totai Kefu, uh, Tim Horan, Jason Little. Do you know what the worst thing is? I'm going to have to do a count back. Oh! But I think you got eight. Damn. I think, <laughs> damn, you're gutted, eh? Damn. You know what? You I was it. just thinking of the Australian side of the yeah. late 90s. I that I think, that I, was just in my head. I could have said any other player. Yeah, yeah, I think you got eight. I started off in South Africa and then moved to Aussie. Oh. That's like making the... That's I like, should have just talked about the... That's like, making the that's like making the finals and then losing the finals, isn't oh, it? Oh, like, Yeah, you might as well here just come go. fourth. All right, we both lost out. Maybe next week we can um, hit the 9 and 10. But anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, First episode of 2020. Pick up the pace. Pick up the pace. See you next time. We're out.